Hello, welcome to the Full English, the United Kingdom's Airbnb podcast, the place to learn how to buy, host and grow your Airbnb business, specifically in the United Kingdom, helping you to learn, grow and become an Airbnb success. Okay, welcome to today's show. This is a conversation with Fiona Ford. Fiona is a short-term rental portfolio owner with properties in and around the Brighton area uh, on the south coast of England for anyone who, who doesn't know. Fiona and I discuss her specific niche, which is hen parties. We talk about all the nuances of this niche, uh, better nightly rates to damage repair and managing neighbours. Uh, Fiona's been in the industry pre-Airbnb, so we also get some insight into how Airbnb has changed the industry and how it's evolved over the past 10 years or so. Great guest, great first episode, The Full English. hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, hello Fiona, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I think let's just jump. Let's just jump straight in. Um, if you start off, Fiona, just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and how you got into short-term rental um, marketplace. Uh, it was uh, somewhat by accident. Um, the um, there is uh, an agent in Brighton called Crown Gardens, and they were advertising looking for uh, short-let properties. Uh, predominantly specialising in the hen party market. Uh, my husband and I had a small refurbishment business and we had uh, successfully accrued by that point three properties all in the same building. But we were struggling with cash flow, particularly uh, in the summer. So I contacted Crown Gardens. They came round and uh, did an assessment. Um, I thought the top floor flat would suit them better, but as soon as they saw the bottom floor flat and the potential of that, particularly for the hen party market, uh, we, we jumped on board, secured a small business loan to finish off the property, which was way through renovation in the May of... How long ago was that, Fiona? I seem to have lost you a bit. I don't know what happened there. Uh, how long ago was that? 2009? 2009. So that's a few years ago now. So what was your plan for that particular property? What was your plan for it before you decided to go into the short term market? Was that going to be a traditional traditional let model? Um, sort of no, regular it was, ASTs? It, it was actually supposed to be our home. OK. Um, but uh, this was what... Uh, just post 2008, mm -hmm. uh, cash flow was very tight. Mortgages uh, were, as you know, at that point, interest rates were high. So we, I was looking for alternative funding just to keep uh, alternative uh, uh, source of income to keep uh, keep us afloat, particularly so in that, summer months. Yeah. So how did that go then? Talk us through from. Sort of that initial kind of journey, perhaps the first first couple of years. Uh, it, it 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 went very well. Initially, I was 
predominantly getting my business through um, the agents based in Brighton. Uh, for the first winter, I did a six month let as opposed to uh, holiday lets all year round. Mm -hmm. But come sort of year three, year four, I was pretty much renting that apartment all year round. And particularly in the summer, there is uh, a niche market, uh, particularly in Brighton, for uh, hen parties. So it, it was predominantly weekend business, not midweek business. The problem was always securing the midweek business. So weekends, you had groups of eight to ten girls, uh, mainly girls, sometimes sometimes stags, not always hen parties, but uh, group booking, special occasions. Mm. Mm. So um, what, what are the challenges then? If um, Because doing so having a particular niche such as hen parties, um, it always strikes me as quite nice if you've got a particular niche that you work within um, but each of them obviously also comes with its with its own challenges as well um, what are the challenges of I mean do you find that you get lots of damage do you get lots of complaints um, or is it plain sailing all the way through uh, strangely enough not necessarily damage uh, collateral damage and uh, champagne glasses are broken and and things, uh, glasses are smashed, but that's easily replaceable. Uh, yeah, the main, the main issues over the years have been uh, noise abatement is mm. whilst you want the uh, group booking or the hen party to have a nice time to enjoy themselves. Uh, my property is located in a very residential area of, of Brighton and Hove. And uh, it's respecting the neighbours and trying to restrict the, in particular with girls shouting and screaming and mm. uh, till two or three in the morning because there is a garden attached, uh, a garden in my property. And that's what proved to be the issue and complaints from the neighbours, visits from the council, uh, all of the... Uh, complaints whilst reasonably founded for, for that particular booking moving forward I I tweaked and adjusted the property so there were limited uh, reasons why the neighbours could or should complain uh, and I have now got it down to a little bit of a fine art regrettably one of that is they can't really use the garden so if you were to define that fine art, I think, um, yeah, restricting the use of the garden, it's it's a shame, but you can see that that would make a big difference. Uh, are there any other key points that you'd recommend um, that people could take on board uh, to help mitigate complaints from, from neighbours? Uh, uh, very strict house rules specifying uh, definitely no parties and it's a residential area and to keep the noise to a minimum after half past 10, 11 at night and notification of the house rules around the around the apartment. So it's very clear when they check in. Um, a new addition for the past uh, year, 18 months, which again has helped enormously is 
for other more security reasons during COVID, I put a camera in the garden uh, to monitor um, uh, trespassers and so forth mm. because mm. I wasn't there all the time. But this has had the bonus effect of A, I can see if guests have checked in and B, I can monitor myself noise levels without being intrusive because I can't, I don't, I, I don't believe in cameras inside the apartment. Mm. Mm. It's a camera directed out onto the garden, uh, but obviously the 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 um, the microphone that's the right word can pick up the noise element, mm. as it were, mm. and uh, it's and it's been successful. Do Do you think if you've got, I mean, it is a bit of a niche, isn't it? Something like hen parties. Um, do you think it makes much difference to effectively how much you can charge if you're let in the apartment for say three days four nights over a weekend can you charge significantly more if you have identified and and you are playing to a, a niche as opposed to i mean they talk about um people talk about having an avatar a guest avatar and this is you know the, the type of person that you're targeting um what impact do you think that can have in terms of increasing how much you can charge for your daily rate it, it it can definitely if you do have have a niche you can charge more however you are relatively speaking speaking limited by that market uh for example hen parties are quite a seasonal market pretty much uh april through to about the middle of july mm. and obviously they have their weddings july august and then there's another small amount uh, you generally get September, October, uh, sometimes over the winter months, but not usually. So do you always then, do you always do a midterm let each year, a sort of six month um, midterm rent or do you just, do you just take it year by year, month by month? No, I, I, I've, I've developed a system now, but to sort of go on from what I was saying, the the advantage of my property versus what I would term purely hen properties. The purely hen properties are are generally more centrally located, and they are large, large houses, large properties that can, in some cases, sleep up to twenty girls. Mm-hmm. Mine is a smaller property located further away from the town centre, and as such, I always try to keep my. Um, my options open in the different markets that I could tap into. So uh, whilst I have this nice niche, I also do have the ability and the flexibility to make it more of a, what I call a a family orientated apartment as opposed to only hen parties. And that's Mm. where I've always had a slight advantage over the pure hen party properties because I could tap into different markets depending on the season and depending on the market conditions. You hear quite a bit about hen party properties. You don't hear of um, stag party properties. Um, there's, there's reasons for that, I'm sure. Um, Fiona, over the last, so I mean, you've been involved in this marketplace what, since about 2008, you said, so sort of almost 15 years. Yes. Um, so I suppose through that period, you will have seen the rise of, I suppose, when you've started, you're talking about local agencies um, who you could go to and work with uh, for short term rentals. 
um, and you would have seen the rise of Airbnb and the like um, over that period. Um, tell us a little bit from your point of view in terms of, you know, how how that's changed the industry, um, whether that's for the better or for the worse or, or for both, um, and sort of some of the things that have changed over that period. There has been a, a significant impact upon the industry by Airbnb. Uh, when I started off, it was predominantly through uh, locally based agents and or more uh, national, regional agents, your your uh, bookings.com, your cottages.com, etc. Let me get my right train of thought here. So as 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 a perfect example, as I um, researched just before I came on air with you, when I joined Crown Gardens in 2009, they had 33 properties. I, over the next 10 years, they built up the business significantly. And I think at their peak, they had plus minus circa, circa 150 properties. Mm-hmm. They are now reduced back down to 19 properties. So that shows you the impact of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are uh, a lot more. Airbnb has made it uh, a lot more accessible for a lot of different types of landlords, hosts, call it what you want. I think the traditional model of Airbnb was quite a sort of hippie model in that people came and used your spare room and uh, you made a bit of money out of it and you got to meet interesting people from around the world. Uh, Whereas now I would very much say it's 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 a. a grey business. What's what's the expression? The uh, where you can't account for the the type of business it is. What do they call it? The the gig economy. Is that correct? Part of the gig economy. Yeah. Yeah. Very much part yeah. of the gig economy. It's uh, and it's attracted a lot a lot of people, a lot of investors. Mm. Um, buy to let landlords have got out of renting their properties on the AST basis and they're exploring the holiday let market because there is a a financial benefit to that in terms of if they're on the interest only mortgage. If you're operating a holiday let business, you can obviously claim the cost of that mortgage. The buy to let let market is um, is it's not very labour intensive. You can you can buy properties and you can make a certain yield um, for, yeah. from your investment, and and you don't have to put a great deal of work into it. Um, with short term rentals, I think you can earn more money, um, but you have to put more work into it. Correct. Uh, what what would be your take on on that in terms of how much more money you can make from short term rentals, um, but also balanced against how much more work you need to put into it. Oh, it's uh, it's. I would say, uh, in t- in terms of yield, I have a small. For example, I've got a small cottage in in Stenning, just outside of Brighton, that could 
uh, I am I'm doing double the yield on a holiday let as opposed to a buy to let. But yes, it's the amount of work that is involved. And then then it's the the pros and cons of taking uh, short stays versus longer stays and minimum stays versus being a lot, lot more flexible with your the type of stays you take and the cancellation procedures. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you can do a lot of work or you can try and streamline the amount of work that you do. But my um, advice and experience in all of this is the most the more work you do yourselves and do not use other uh, services such as cleaning, maintenance, uh, a, a, a key key safes at all properties where where appropriate and able uh, to keep your your costs to a minimum as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And obviously mm-hmm. costs are rising now because obviously we all know utility energy costs are going up and we all know and are eagerly awaiting the Chancellor's announcement today because mortgage rates are going through the roof. Mortgage rates do continue to rise. And we will see if that's um, if that's going to continue um, or not. Um, so, Fiona, the properties, just tell us a really quick overview of I think you've got three short term rentals. Um, is that is that correct? I've got three short term rentals and one AST rental. OK, so just stick into the short term rentals um, two in the Brighton Hove area. Um, correct. And one in where's the third one? It's in Stenning. It's a small, a picturesque mask market town just on the out, uh, edge of the South Downs, just north of Shoreham, approximately 10 to 15 miles away from Brighton. So what, one of the things that's interesting to me, and we touched we touched on this when, when we spoke offline, is that the immediate reaction, certainly for someone like myself, would be that, well, there'd be much more demand in somewhere like Brighton for a short term rental. Um, And I suspect that, yes, there is a lot more demand per se, but equally, there's probably a lot more supply as well. Um, And I just wonder if if you do look at areas um, slightly more off the beaten track, um, such as your third property, um, there may be decent demand, um, but quite low supply, which might make it perhaps quite an interesting type of marketplace to look into. So when you consider um, your two, the two locations that you've got, Staining um, and Hove, um, how do you compare the two in terms of sort of overall investment opportunity for short term rentals? Uh, at, at the moment, but uh, the, this type of market is, is cyclical, I do believe. So the current cycle is that the market in Brighton and Hove is uh, saturated. There's a lot of um, Airbnb short-term let properties in the market. And there is vast amount of competition, which is obviously uh, demand and supply. So if there's too much supply, demand is less and rates drop accordingly. Uh, Stenning, you you are correct, it's a much more of a niche market and a lot less supply, therefore demand is higher 
plus the type of property it is at the moment in that it is a one bed pr property sleeps two mm. and i do believe the disposable income at the moment is more in the that age group in terms of uh professional couples and or and older your silver travelers if you know what mm. i mean mm. Mm. who uh um want to go off on short breaks or mm. take a mm. week off here and there and they want access to beautiful countryside so uh, if you were to look at scenery. yeah if you just look at purely the yield then of, from those two areas in terms of the value of the property um in relation to the income that it produces um would you say that the stenning has a higher investment yield than than the hove properties obviously property in hove is it's quite expensive, isn't it? It it is, and yes. I, to be honest, I should have I should have done the figures on, on the yields before okay. I came on air. But the one thing I would, however, say is is as I am about to do myself is I keep my options open all of the time because whilst uh, there is a uh, a drop in inquiries bookings in Brighton and Hove there is a burgeoning and lack of supply in the rental market and rental rates have gone uh, mm. exceedingly high through the roof so there's always the option particularly in a place like Brighton and Hove and uh, the transient nature of the population there and the student population there to secure uh, a six-month let mm, just mm. to see out the difficult time and then reassess again and of course then you've also got season. somewhere like brighton and hove you've also got fantastic um capital appreciation as well which is exactly which is another thing to kind of take into the mix as well isn't it um yeah, when you're so making the these decisions appreciation in brighton and hove is is significantly better than that in stenning and then mm. the problem with stenning whilst it's a beautiful little cottage in a great location and it perfectly suits the purposes i have set it up for which at the moment is a holiday let it's not the easiest of markets to uh appreciates the wrong word selling i've tried to sell it a couple of times and trying to secure a buyer has not been not been as successful as i would have thought it would have been mm, mm. so it's definitely more of a long-term financial investment for me in terms of yield from it as opposed to it creates cash rather than um rather than creating a whole load of appreciation in the asset value which exactly. is which is interesting isn't it and um so that's I, perhaps something to also think about when you're investing in a holiday let premises because is that the saleability should you just you get to a point in your life and think right i've had enough of this i want out uh it, it it's it's been a quite a learning curve and i had a conversation again on saturday about it with my uh letting slash sales agent in brighton and hove who actually is a relative of mine and uh he would feel more confident in in the saleability of properties in brighton and hove than 
than the uh, cottage out and standing at the moment. Mm, mm, mm. So taking all of that, um, everything we've discussed so far into account and and I suppose, as always, specifically thinking about your your experience and, and your knowledge, um, where do you think the opportunities lie um, in the short term, short term rental market um, over the next, say, one to one to five years? I think they lie uh, in niche markets and in in good locations, but uh, purchasing them at the right prices, which at the moment is, uh, I don't know where where the property market is going, whether it is backpedaling a bit or it's still being kept at the inflated levels. Well, I think we may see some uh, potentially see some some good deals uh, being available uh, where lots of people are backing out of the market at the moment. I, um, I agree. Potentially I agree. some some opportunity there to buy um, at a good level, at a good rate, if you can find the deals. Yeah, if a if you can get the mortgage offer, or or b you're in the position to buy outright with cash. Okay, fantastic. So um, one of the other things that we were um, talking about offline uh, which would be good to get some of your thoughts on uh, is changes in the tax rules uh, for short-term rentals um, or, or not so much changes but just the treatment of tax rules in relation to in or in comparison to standard ASTs um, and some of the benefits that that throws out um, as well. Um, obviously any investment, how it's treated from a tax point of view, uh, has an enormous effect on how successful it is um, long term. Um, and, and there are certain tax benefits to short term rentals as opposed to um, traditional ASTs. Um, have you got any thoughts in relation to that? Uh, yes, it's, it's a juggle. Obviously, uh, if you do the AST on a traditional buy-to-let interest-only mortgage, as we all know now, that interest-only mortgage is no longer tax deductible. So as per your previous comments, there may be some interesting offers coming to the market if there's a lot of buy-to-let landlords out there who are due to change their products and are coming across interest rates at around 6%. I can't see how a buy-to-let landlord can make any money anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the short-term let side, it's not all plain sailing because if you do do it property, properly, as I have done in my case, there are some tax advantages in terms of, of business rates, uh, registering it. However, you once you've got one slash two properties, you are lim- you are limited with about that because anything more than the uh, VOA set amount uh, you no no longer qualify for business rate relief Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you lose all your tax advantages with Mm -hmm. obviously the exception of being able to claim that interest only mortgage as a tax deductible expense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which obviously with interest rates about to have already increased that is um uh that will impact upon your gross net profits but at least you can claim that as an expense 
good accountants always needed? Uh, to be honest with you, I do all my own tax returns. <laughs> I found it easier in the end. It's a, I simplified it all and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, removed that cost from my cash flow. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of just um, going back a little bit, um, we've talked about obviously when you first started in the industry, it was kind of before, pretty much before Airbnb came along effectively, or maybe it was in its absolute infancy. Um, how much of your business now comes through um, Airbnb and how much is through other avenues? Well, after doing this for quite a while, I found that the the optimal uh, sort of uh, percentage of business was, if you wanted to make a decent profit, was between uh, 70 to 80 percent of your own business with the balance made up by agents, 20 to 30 percent through other sources. Otherwise, you end up playing extortionate uh, uh, commissions and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Airbnb ch- has changed it in that mm-hmm. when I first started out, the uh, the um, the main route of everyone's income was through your TripAdvisor, your holiday lettings. You could register your ad advert uh, pretty much free of charge. Um, you earned, you paid a small fee to them, and then you earned. Um, the income direct from from, from the guest in mm-hmm. and also uh the cash flow because the your terms would be usually four weeks in advance and you hold a damage deposit which is refunded to them after they they've um uh, vacated the property mm. uh so that was a significant amount of cash flow in advance but over the years that has dwindled down um Airbnb model changed all the dot coms models to this one of uh, payment after the guest has left and damage deposits are all held by all the dot com businesses. No one, no um, owner holds the damage deposit anymore except if it's a direct booking to them via either their website and or a previous guest returning. So does that make it difficult for um, if you're doing hem parties, then you would imagine that they're, they're probably are more likely to cause some kind of damage in one way or another. It's a group of people, young people getting together, ha- having a good time. It's more likely to be damage caused, isn't there? Um, is that is that quite a negative for you for booking through Airbnb or taking bookings through Airbnb because you can't get um, a damage deposit and, and hold that? Well, you've got this. It's on Airbnb now. It's called, uh, is it Airhost? Or there's, there is a system in place with Airbnb. And in this last summer, I've had to claim upon it mm-hmm. for the first time ever. As I said to you in the past with the, with the, um, uh, hen parties I generally speaking touch wood there's been damage in terms of sort of sheets that may have to be thrown away and or glasses that were smashed and so forth but generally speaking I do find that 
because I, my property is a little bit away from the centre of Brighton, I, I attracted a more mature crowd. And generally, and the hen is known to all of the others, but the but they are not necessarily all friends. So they're quite really wanting to get their deposit back. Mm. So they're pretty, I'd say, I, 90, 95%, I've never had issues with hen parties. Mm. I have mm. more mm. issues with groups of friends who know each other and very comfortable around each other mm. or extended family groups. It's interesting dynamic, that, isn't it, that you've just pointed out? Yeah. Mm. And the amount of calls and uh, emails or text messages I will get after they've left the property and they will contact me and say, we, we've left it, it's all in good order, can we have our damage deposit back now? Mm -hmm. Is I'd say eight out of ten out of all of the hen party bookings, I get that kind of message. Usually, mm -hmm. as it's done through through the agent and not necessarily comes through Airbnb, I mm -hmm. then say to them that I've checked out the property, everything appears to be in good order, and then I will let the agent know and to refund their deposit back to them as, as soon as possible. But otherwise, the agent's terms and conditions apply, which usually is within seven to ten days after they vacated the mm -hmm. property, they get the deposit back. Mm -hmm. So Fiona, what are your plans then for um for the future in terms of your, your short term rental uh, business? Are you quite comfortable that you've got a sort of small to medium sized portfolio that you're quite comfortable managing and, and you're happy with it at that size or do you have plans to um alter the portfolio in some way or uh, increase the size of it? Um where do you think you're taking it over the next few years? It's a very good question. Um, I'm at a turning point in my life. I think I, in some ways I may be scaling back my operations because the one thing I, I that we haven't covered, which is perhaps important to mention, but for the last 10 years, 10, 13 years, I have been doing it predominantly myself and that's why I have been successful at it. But it does mean that for pretty much six months of the year, i.e. April through to September, I am restricted. I can't go anywhere. Mm. I have to be available for changeovers. I have to be available for uh, to to run the business. And uh, I am getting to a point in my life where I don't want to be tied down to that commitment. Mm -hmm. So in your mind, would that be would that be finding a way to um, moving away from it and perhaps restructuring it that way and perhaps going to more longer term rentals uh, and accepting a bit of a lower, lower yield, um, but but you'd have more time to yourself? Um, or would you look at ways to I know I think you've said the opposite to this already, uh, but would you look at ways to try and kind of bring more help in and put more systems in place? Um, so the properties could be a, a little bit more autonomous. Um, I'm probably looking at the former rather than the latter. Um, I, I've tried f over the years to find cleaners, uh, uh, maintenance people 
and I have always been let down. Um, I, I'm more interested now in the longer term yield because, as I said, rental yields at the moment are, are good, are high. And at least you've got the security of knowing that there's a tenant in place and there is that income coming in. But obviously I need to uh, balance the books. So mm -hmm. But if you had if you had properties which were only suitable for short term rentals, then obviously you wouldn't have that flexibility. You wouldn't have the opportunity to do that. And it would be quite in some way. It, it's a risk mitigation, isn't it? It's good risk mitigation if a property is suitable for both. Exactly. Uh, so if you do need to pivot uh, and and pivot to traditional AST, um, you can do that. Exactly. Mm. That is what one recommendation I would give to anybody because there's even other things which affect the market, which is coming up, funny enough, in the next two months in an unusual part of the year, but that always over the years impacted yields and that is big sporting events mm -hmm. let me tell you when the world cup is on nobody books nobody books nobody mm -hmm. goes out everybody's at home watching the television and watching the football um so 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 things things occasions like that and obviously the next year we've got a coronation coming up but that will have an effect upon business. Obviously, obviously, if you if that week, properties yeah. in London, mm. it will affect your business because you get booked out. But if mm. you've got properties in other parts of the country, I can see it as being quite a quiet weekend because everyone be at home watching the television. Yeah, you've got to make enough on the busy ones, haven't you, to make it worthwhile to to make up for the quieter ones. That's correct. Fiona, so how can um. How can people get in touch with you? How can people find your properties if you're um, thinking of um, having a Hindu uh, on the south coast, or as you say, if you perhaps have slightly more advanced years, um, then a Hindu party might be, and you're looking for something a bit quieter, um, <laughs> 20 minute drive from the south coast. Um, how can people find out about you and your properties and, and get in touch with you? I have got a website. It's called Downs and Coast co.uk and then also all of my properties are featured on on uh, airbnb so uh yes please please check me out okay well if you want to get in touch with fiona please please do so um fiona it's been really enjoyable having you on the show today um absolute pleasure to talk to you um i've learned certainly some bits from you today uh, and I'm sure our listeners would have done also. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the show. Do remember the new episode out every Monday, so do come back for more in-depth conversation with short-term rental experts in the United Kingdom. Also, if there are any specific topics you'd like us to cover in future shows, or if you'd just like to reach out for any other reason, please do email us at thefullenglishairbnb at gmail.com. Okay, bye for now.